Call the meeting in order. Mr. Travelfield, would you please call the roll? Mr. Barley. Here. Mr. Collins. Mr. Fritz. Here. Dr. Hadia. He's here. Mr. Douglas Hudson. Here. Mr. James Hudson. Here. Mr. Layfield. Here. Mr. Peden. Here. Dr. Statler. Here. Mrs. Wright. Here. This is a, as a uh, special board meeting. We do have a quorum. It isn't on the agenda, but at the last special board meeting we had, we had 15-minute public comment. So I'm going to allow it again this evening if anyone in the audience wishes to make a public comment. Can you please give us your name and you have uh, three minutes. Three minutes, very good. I'm Jim Reichert. Um, concerns I have um, are very basic. Um, I haven't attended the earlier meetings, uh, my wife has. Um, however, the one thing that's come out to me is that there is going to be, I understand, a vote on paraprofessionals, possible ALs. Um, the concern I have is that the proposal that the board is considering has not been released to the public. It's my understanding that nobody out there other than the board is aware of what the specifics of that proposal is. Um, and that the meetings previous where it's been discussed have been in executive session. I don't think that's permitted under Delaware law. Um, under the Freedom of Information Act, there's only a very limited number of exceptions that permit a public body like this to go into executive session and withhold information from the public. Um, a proposal dealing with a large group of employees, changes in employment policies, that sort of thing, as I understand it, does not qualify. The reason that's significant is if, in fact, a vote on that is taken, um, it's probably in violation of Delaware law and is most likely void. And possibly inviting a lawsuit, I don't know. Which would be kind of silly. I think it would make more sense if the board would simply provide the information to the public so that they know what the board is considering and why the board is considering the proposal. But right now they ask for public comments when really nobody even knows what's being considered. Um, is contrary to the whole purpose behind public meetings and the records and so on. Okay. <clears throat> is there anyone else? there my name is Shelby Moore I'm a paraprofessional at Long Neck Elementary I was just voted uh, employee of the month there they saw me hi <laughs> sorry I'm really excited about it I got a cool trophy uh, I just I know that we're taking a vote on the pairs tonight and I know I'm worried about my job but honestly my biggest worry are my kids are my students and that's just something I want everyone to take the time to think about these students rely on us it's not just the teachers that they see every day 
they need us. They see us every day. We're the familiar face that helps them get through tough times. I can't even tell you how many times a day I'm needed to help a child get through something. And the idea of not being able to be there for them, it breaks my heart. I can't imagine my students next year needing me and me not being able to be there. Can I just get a show of hands how many paras are in here? And just, okay, just listen one more time for me. How many of you are needed for a single student? Just one student every day. How many of you are needed for more than one student every day? More than five. An entire class. This isn't just about us keeping our jobs. It's about being there for our kids and giving them the absolute best that we can. That, has, that is what we've been fighting for all year. To get our test scores up, we're there for our kids. To get the referendum to pass, we're there for our kids. And right now, the only reason I am standing here talking to the board is because I want to be there for my kids. I want to know that when they continue their academic career, I help them get there. That I was part of their life growing up. And I, I'm sure everyone else here feels the same way. I'm sure you guys have felt the same way, that you've impacted a child's life in some significant way. That's what I want to do. That's why I'm in teaching. That's why I'm still in college, finishing my career to get my degree. Because this is what I want to do. I have a passion to help the kids. 30 seconds. Thank you. Uh, this is just what I want. I want you guys to please think about the kids. From day one, teaching is about serving the kids. Let's serve them. Let's give them the best that they deserve. If we're the best district in the state, let's prove it. Let's give the kids what they need and what they deserve. Thank you for your time. Thank you. Is there anyone else? Hi, you're probably tired of seeing me up here, but I'm Tracy Mikowski. I'm a professional at Sussex Central, and I'm the vice president of the Paras. Uh, can't say it much better than what Shelby did. We're there for the children every day, for our students. You can't hire enough teachers of the ones you're getting rid of to replace us, and they just physically can't be in all those places to meet all those needs of our students. <clears throat> we we start first thing with greeting them off the buses, off the parent drop-off, till the very end of the day we take them back to those same locations. Many times we're the ones that have contacts with the parents. Our students need us. You just can't replace or do without. Um, I know there's some big decisions you have to make. They're not easy. But there's been some decisions with referendums that we have certainly helped out. You've had teacher contracts, secretary contracts, that even though ours are open and you want to wait, we have supported, we've worked with them, see them get to get to the point where they will take less money for other things. 
We've worked on all these things. Now we're asking, we keep asking for your help. We are needed, our students need us. Please don't forget that when you're in there tonight making these decisions. Thank you. Thank you. Is there anyone else who wishes to make a public comment? Ronna Cobb, Philip Shaller, What they said is really true, that we not only support our kids, we support our staff. We fill in when we have to leave on sick leave. We fill in when we need to go for RST meetings, any kind of meetings they have, they pull us to fill in their classes. So we're a support group to the faculty as well. When you have a child look at you like I did today and say, Miss Ryan, can I come with you to the next class? That breaks your heart because that child depends on you just as much as he depends on the teacher. Tonight, we're depending on you. We need your support. Thank you. Thank you. Hi, I'm Janice Love from North Georgetown. I did speak before about our school, so I won't get into that again. I'm just going to probably reiterate what she just said. I just wanted to talk about our powers as a whole because we do more than just support our students. We do support our staff, and that's what I was just going to say, too. We're there when they have to go to IST meetings and IEP meetings. We are in there um, covering the classrooms, teaching the children. Uh, we also volunteer our time when we do um, McDonald's night and raise money and when we have the my very own library we volunteer our times we take on additional duties um, with the component five and with um, my very own library we we do a lot of additional time volunteer time also we're not just there to support our teachers we're here to support our school and our district and I just wanted to remind you of that also thank you Thank you. <clears throat> Next item on the agenda is uh, new business. Uh, item 201 is the donation of the new Century Club building in Georgetown uh, for uh, attorney selection. Yeah, um, we received information before uh, from the new Century Club and they wanted to donate a piece of property uh, up in Georgetown. Um, it's sort of located behind the fire department the old democratic headquarters uh, we've had a chance to look into the property and it, it would take about seventy seventy five thousand dollars you know if we keep the property uh, to renovate the building and, and to bring it uh, up to grade uh, however we we did have uh, Jan Steele contact DOE and OMB to find out if, if the property comes to us and the property is sold in the future uh, would that money come back to the district and we were assured that it would uh, in this particular case come back to the school district. Joe talked with um, Mr. Haller, uh, the attorney for the New Century Club, explained that to him um, that, you know, we don't have a use for it, but they wanted to donate it to the district. And the fact is we may turn around and sell it. So we were up front with them that, that we may do that. 
and they graciously are wanting us to go ahead and take the property even if we decide to do that. Uh, the one thing we need to decide is do we want to act on this and take the property, accept it as a donation. The second part is uh, Mr. Howler, the attorney, has uh, volunteered to be, and I say volunteered, he would, there would still be a cost associated. He would still be the attorney at the settlement of the property. So those are the two things we would need to approve this evening before we can move forward. Do you have any thoughts? Need a motion? Yes, need a motion. Make a motion that we uh, move forward with the property, and I'm 100% comfortable with Mr. Howler, Howler handling, handling the uh, Second. Absolutely. Motion made and seconded. Any discussion? All in favor of the motion say aye. Aye. Opposed? That is unanimous. Millsboro Middle School Cafeteria Serving Line. Uh, Mr. Toomey has a set of plans um, and an estimate uh, for the serving lines at Millsboro Middle School. Um, one, one thing he discussed with me today that the current serving lines is the original line that was put in back in the 70s and major issue that they have for the line is that there's no refrigeration units and this in turn limits the variety of cold food options that they can offer. Uh, the cost of the new line is $72,749.20. This expenditure be completely funded by the Nutrition Services budget and does not require a motion and does require, excuse me, does require a motion and approval of the board. One of the things they explained to me was today they have to take some larger tubs and put them into freezer to get them cold so when they bring out things that need to be held, need to be cold, they have to bring those out and add ice to them to keep them cold. That's the only school in the district that's currently having to do that. So he said they desperately need to upgrade this at this time. Is money already in his budget to cover yes. this? <clears throat> yes. Make a motion to move forward on this? Please. Second it. Motion made and seconded. Further discussion? All in favor of the motion say aye. All right. Opposed? That is unanimous. <clears throat> Next item on the agenda is 203 is the match tax. Um, Jane, if you're out there, you may want to come to the podium. We can, we can talk about this. Um, as, as you know, the governor's proposed budget uh, that, was, that was put out uh, about a month ago has an educational sustainment, sustainment cut of $22 million to school districts. Our portion of that is $2 million. Uh, this is something we did not see coming. Um, there was no uh, discussion of this prior to his release of that proposed budget. We were somewhat aware that we would see the $15 million um, discretionary budget cut, the 1.2 that we had planned for. Uh, this we did not. The governor attached to this a match tax. And Jan, do you want to talk about the amount of the match tax for us? Um, if it's a true match tax for us, it would be um, 12 and a half cents um, per $100 of assessed value, which if we use our figures that we used during the referendum, would be roughly about $23 um, per property owner. Um, I was at a meeting last Friday with um, Mike Jackson, who's head of OMB, and Mike Morton, who is the um, Controller General, and um, they realize that the match tax is inequitable. Um, it's 12 and a half cents for us. In Del Mar, it's 69 cents. It just 
depends on um, the assessed value of the school district. So I, I really do feel that they are going to move um, towards either a county or a state tax to make up those funds. Um, but until the Joint Finance Committee actually begins meeting um, and before or until they get the results of the May 15th defect meeting, um, they can't guarantee us anything at this point. The defect meeting is, um, you said May 15th, the mm -hmm. JFC will meet, um, I think, the 17th or the 22nd. 22nd, I And that will be their first meeting when they start the markup on the budget. Um, I heard the same thing Thursday at the superintendent's meeting. Um, you know, how inequitable they are seeing the match tax is at this particular point in time. It is a tax that uh, it, it, is, it is controversial. Um, I can tell you that there, the DSBA and, and some of the other boards, and if you've had fellow board members talk to you about it, um, it, it's an area that we have not really, uh, boards don't like to tread on. Unfortunately, where we are now in the state, with the state budget, is where, where we've not been before to, uh, to an extreme. We're hoping that the defect on the 15th comes back and they have uh, a slowdown in, in the, or the, an increase in the revenue for next year to change that slightly. Um, and then the Joint Finance Committee can look at something for us uh, the 12 and a half cent increase would uh, enable us to to maintain programs we have since reduced programs if we do not have a mechanism for this two million dollars somewhere along the line we'll have to fully cut programs um, and the staff associated with those programs at this time we don't have to take a vote this vote will be taken probably has to be taken by the time that we do our tax rates in June late June early July uh, it, it, we can wait it out there. However, we are going to have to make personnel decisions this evening, which we'll discuss in exact session under personnel, um, that you know, there are going to be some extreme cuts if either a match tax isn't considered or unless the state changes venue and tries to get this money in another area. Uh, I will tell you, folks, we are in the same boat as 18 other school districts around the state. And everybody is having the... Uh, same issue, you know, I've talked to uh, Dover, Appaquinimic, Law, uh, Red Clay, I've, I've talked to the other superintendents and, and everybody at this point in time is, is sort of playing the waiting game. Uh, we're making decisions on possible cuts at this point since we've got the May 15th contract in hand, but they're not going to make that final decision until late June on how most of the districts are going to handle this. I would recommend uh, the same thing. I, I think it's something we need to wait and see what happens. If the state does not uh, do another venue to collect that, that money, then the boards will have to make an, indiv an individual decision whether or not they want to put in place a match tax. And that will be the board's decision to make that. Uh, but keep in mind, if we, if we don't, uh, we will have to make major program and personnel cuts. To the, to the tune of $2 million. Okay, the question comes in though, if we don't let people go tonight, let's say we go on that, and the board decides at some point to not implement the match tax, all right, so now we have the extra personnel, the extra programs past the May 15th deadline, and the board says no to the match tax, what do we do then? Then we would have to hire those people. 
we would we would, we yeah, would have an issue. Where's the money coming from? Right, right at that particular point, we would if we did not have the match tax, we would be two million dollars uh, less on the end of the year and a possible state takeover. Is this something that the other districts are considering? I mean, I want to see education continue. I mean, obviously, my wife is a teacher. We've been talking about this now for a while. I've been talking to my patients about it for a while. And the match tax for us would keep us in business. That's correct. It's also an absolutely terrible precedent to hand the state a victory that forces us to raise taxes when the governor can go, I didn't do it. You nasty right. school board members did this. I didn't touch it reelect me and I think right now that's the game that he's playing and it, it's this is this is one of the toughest decisions I feel I've ever had to make in my 17 years on the board I'm not happy with it and I'm not happy with the governor at all to put us in this position where we have to be here I hear what you're saying um, but I'm I'm basically hearing that the governor is pushing all the school boards to make decisions that he is not willing to make himself and, it, and I don't like that if we pass The problem with passing the match tax is if, for us, it's $2 million of debt sustainment money. We pass it. Do you really think the state's going to spend $2 million less dollars? No. They're just going to spend it somewhere else. Mr. Fritz, you are right on the money. Yeah. So us passing it does nothing but let the state off the hook in an easy decision. I'm tired of the state legislators on the radio saying they're not going to balance the budget on the backs of, of state employees. Technically. Uh, they're putting it and making us us be the ones who get rid of people and they can walk around and say they didn't get rid of anybody you know because they want to cut our funding they're not going to spend any less money they're going to put it somewhere else instead of education there's no way I'd pass it and I'm not saying which way I'm going on it because frankly right now I don't know that this is causing me lots and lots of lost sleep because I know what's going to come down the pike either way, and none of it's good right now. And, and I, I think don't think, I don't think the governor has, has had what I would call a wake-up call that says, hey, guys, we're here. We don't like your crap anymore. And I think it's good to have this discussion in public because agree. You know, some, of the, some of the issues that we're facing is you know, with Title 14 in order to you know, rift teachers or, 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 or those sorts of things, we can't do an unofficial rift on a teacher unless we have a decrease in enrollment. That's not the case with our district. Case. Or two, we have to cut programs. So the only way that we can get to the cut we need is we've had to make, uh, last week we spent a considerable amount of time at looking at what the model would look like for us. Mm -hmm. And the cuts would be extremely deep, extremely severe. Um, it's a hard decision. I think what most school districts are doing, to be quite honest with you, is setting up the plan to look at what we would release and approve that uh, with contingency. That even even though we don't take a vote yes or no tonight on the match tax, we, we notify people up front that this is a possibility and these cuts could possibly happen. So people know this in advance. And if we come back in June, we can make the decision. If, if we haven't by June 15th, or whenever our, we set the tax rate, if we have not, uh, we don't know anything from the state or they do not support it, then we'd have to take an official stance on do we want to pass this or do we not want to pass this and take an official vote at that particular All right. point. How badly do you think the state wants to run a school district? Yeah. 
they'll find a way to make it work. That's the other thing. You know, they know that the contract says May 15th, yeah. but yet they won't give us a number. Right. You know, they're, they're floating around proposals and, and numbers, but nothing's been decided. And here we are, you know, a week away, and it's totally unfair for them to figure, for us to operate in a, in a proper fashion when we don't even know if they're going to cut any money or is it going to be the full $4 million or $1 million. You know, you can't decide anything until you've got a number. And uh, again, as Dr. Hattier says, school, the state Delaware doesn't want to run school districts. I think we don't blink and they'll find a way to make it work. And you know, this isn't the first time the state's done this to us. It's always been under Democrat governors. But I remember at least three other times we've sat here before. Maybe the board members present don't remember that. But, and I know Charlie doesn't. His number is probably higher than three or four. They like doing this. And they set these times up on purpose to give themselves cover, in my opinion. It's not that I'm cynical. It's just that I don't believe in them anymore. They've shafted too many people like us for too long. I'll also tell you, um, and Jan at the podium of, of where we are financially, uh, taking a look at, at the models that we've, we've managed to look at. If we started by eight models, we've got it down to two. And, and realistically, now we're down to match tax or no match tax. Um, if somewhere along the line the match tax was a positive vote on the side of the board, it would only have to be one year for us. It would not have to go into uh, any multiple years. It would be a one year and then remove it. If we uh, choose not to, we would have to live through the program cuts for a full year, uh, at which time I will tell you, after we get through next year, that is a pivotal year for our school district. Once we complete next year, we get our cash flow in the direction uh, for particularly our, our July through October 15th period. At that particular point, we will actually be putting money in reserves at a, at, a, at a tune of probably three plus million dollars per year uh, for those next two years. So financially, st our strength is going to start building after next year, after next fiscal year. And at that particular time, we'll start putting money into the reserves. Uh, it's a tough decision. Like I said, it's a tough decision. And I think, you know, I, I hear what you're saying, Mr. Fritz, but I will tell you, I think the other boards, uh, the superintendents that I'm talking to, we've requested that the May 15th, and we did this about a month ago, that the May 15th deadline be moved back so we can hopefully get some answers. Uh, unfortunately, I think for us and for a lot of other districts, that's woven into teacher contracts. So that's, a, that's sort of a hard date for us that we, we don't have a lot of flexibility of doing anything about. But I think most of the districts are going to play, you know, they're going to wait and see. They are putting their, their cut plans in order. Uh, in case something happens and it doesn't go and the board doesn't. We're prepared to do that this evening, you know, if we need to go that way. All right. I have one other comment. Um, my next comment is aimed at everybody here in the audience. You hear what's going on here. You hear what we're up against. How many people in this audience have called the governor's office to complain about this? I did. I called the Ron Gray. I also called Senator Hawker also. Thank you. Thank you. All right, that leaves about three-quarters of the room that didn't call, all right? You're up here showing support for us, I mean support for what you need, okay? Please, get on the phone, bear up his telephone lines. We have got to have the support of the community on this, and if you know people in other districts, they should be doing the same thing. This is horse hockey on his part. Sorry. Yes, ma'am. 
like you have somebody tell you, well, you just had a referendum meeting to talk your district. We know. And it's just, I don't know which way to go. I never call the governor. Don't call your representative. Call the governor. And keep calling the representatives because right now some of them, not in this district here, some of them are trying to duck out on this one. This is a tough call. That's all I can tell you. You bet your buns. Start with that one because he's got enough things on his plate that all he needs is about another five or six hundred phone calls in a day saying, "Why are you doing this?" There is a. I hope you have your job. Okay. Remember, folks. My my wife is a teacher in the district who uses Paris also. I get it. I do get it. Okay. Sorry. That's fine. Anyone else on the board? <clears throat> Explain to me a little bit about this match tax. I'm, I'm opposed to it. That's my stance right now. I'm opposed to it. We are elected school board members, right. and now they're giving us the authority to raise taxes with no public input. And to counter this, is there a possibility of running a, there's not a possibility of running a second um, current expense referendum to give yeah. the public input and if you did that we'd have to ask the local taxes to be raised 24 cents and this is 12 cents am i am i, am I right with that 12, versus no 12 cents is what we would have to what's the state matching and why is it called a match tax because you're matching the money you're losing from the state so they're not matching anything no, oh, there. there's no benefit to us we could we we're could matching our loss am i am i correct Ms. Steele, that Currently, this is not something that's legal in the state of Delaware, and our state representatives want to make a one-time exclusion to allow school districts to do this over something that's never been allowed to do in the past. Um, that I don't, I don't know well, that, uh, for I sure. The other match correct. taxes, you're matching um, a percentage of what funds the state gives you, so they are totally different. Got it. Um, I do think, I really do think that something different will happen with the match tax. I think it'll be either a state or countywide tax. I think the tax is going to happen, but it sounds like um, from our conversations that it will not be district by district. And that would hurt us more, am I correct? Couldn't very well hurt us more because we are a fairly wealthy district it. and we've got to equal, equalize the county, it would bring it down possibly, am I correct? Yes. It's going to hurt us with a double whammy for this district. Is it more along yep. the lines of users pay the same instead of looking at values of properties? That a kid who goes to school in Laurel is the same as a kid who goes to school in Georgetown, is the same as a kid who goes to school in Lewis, a statewide tax or a county tax, instead of what we're doing now. Yeah, we want to we equalize the taxes, but why don't we put a little equity in the salary? Because I think uh, Newcastle County teachers get paid a whole lot more than Sussex County teachers, but we, we don't apply that. We just hit the taxpayers that way. Mm -hmm. You know, folks, just to give you an idea, um, our, our local current expense referendum was $7.35 million. We anticipated all along about, about a million, 1.2 million is what we had been told up front that we kind of thought was coming. So we had prepared for that. The cuts that I had made, particularly at IREC, 
and, and some of the, the restructuring I'd done, I wanted to try to absorb as much of that as possible. Um, but realistically, at the end of the day, when the dust settled, that, that was about $3.5 million, uh, maybe, maybe a little bit more, of the state coming down and taking away from us. And that really draws on that local. I mean, that, that really draws that you either have to make cuts on, on personnel, you have to make cuts on programs, uh, but it, it, when you look at it that way, it was almost like 50% of our referendum has just been, you know, Take sucked in by the state, mm -hmm. yep. uh, per, per, per se. And that's one of the one of the things we were here. Now, I will have told you, and I think I've talked to some of you about this before, uh, you've heard property taxes. And I urge anybody in the, in the audience, if you have not had the opportunity to look at the video of the governor's proposed budget, you need to go back and take a look at that. I think it was March the 28th, I believe it was. But when you take a look at that, he makes it very clear that property taxes are a line of revenue for the state because our property taxes, I believe the word he used, were competitive with our neighboring states. And um, in doing that, there, there's also been a lot of talk about referendum reform, uh, which wouldn't necessarily be a match tax, but it would, it would give power to boards. Now, I, I would imagine somewhere along the line, within the next year or so, you're probably going to see legislation start changing the way boards do business in Delaware. Uh, that would be my guess. But right now, it, it, it's only done at this particular uh, status with a match tax. I can tell you at the business manager's meeting, I, I didn't hear one school district whose board didn't have the exact um, conversation that you guys are having right now. And everybody was, because of the May 15th date, everybody was moving forward with a board meeting sometime this week and proposing their cuts. I, I do know we had a, a draft at our meeting the other day where the DSBA is actively um, putting information out that they do not support it. I um, had a talk today. Uh, my understanding is there are going to be picketers and uh, demonstrations up in Leg Hall next week pertaining to this. So, you know, we're, we're guessing and hoping that something happens in the near future. I can tell you superintendents were really hoping that this happened prior to May 15th. That really, yeah. it, it puts a big crunch because you're going to put a lot of pressure on a lot of people, um, us included, our employees, our community. Uh, but unfortunately, we, we have to do it. We, like you said, we can't make the decision not to take a look at a plan for cutting. We can't not do that and, and, and risk it not going through. And then at the very end, keep keeping your decision at the end, just to make sure we've got all the answers for everything we need before we make that decision. An early decision, I, I would think, could I, I don't I don't think anybody's going to make that decision publicly early. Uh, no superintendent I've talked to is planning on doing that. They're going to wait and see what happens so they can make a better informed decision at the latter point of the, this fiscal year before they move forward. But as I said before, we have a plan, you know, that we'll share with you uh, that will involve, you know, the whole um, mechanism of how it would work for our district. Anything else from the board? Okay, the next item on the agenda is school choice. Uh, so we had somebody had asked to put that on the agenda this evening, Dr. Stetler, I believe. Right. Um, discussion I have, um, Mr. Lewis here. Uh, we can um, 
answer any question you have. I will tell you at the last meeting I went to, the state is also considering some changes. Um, and it looked like there's possibly going to be legislation put through, uh, not for this coming year, but the following year. Uh, because this year we're already in the works and there won't be changes made. Mr. Lewis? We had a, uh, <clears throat> I think it was last week, Dr. Stadler came to my office and uh, we went through the school choice uh, priority list. And I have a copy here for everybody if you'd like to see that. I think Dr. Stadler understands it much more clear at this point. Uh, we just cannot uh, eliminate out-of-district kids, for example, if they fall in that particular priority. Uh, we can't bypass that priority number to go um, to the next priority, which would be, for example, our, our own district students who are enrolled with us. And so, um, as Mr. Steele was saying, at this point, for school year 18-19, there's going to be some changes in the school choice program. Um, one that I read uh, talks about the capacity. They have taken the 85% capacity um, out of that language for right now. And uh, Mr. Steele, I understand there's going to be some more discussion yes. at, at your meetings um, regarding that. Um, so with that said, I think we need to uh, proceed with our 17-18 school choice. Um, the next that you will see at the next board meeting at the end of this month will be for our kindergarten classes, the School of the Arts, uh, Kindergarten Center, and uh, our other buildings, elementary buildings that house kindergartners. Um, so in my opinion, I just think we need to proceed with our current policy, um, abide by that, and move forward. Yes, ma'am. Can you explain a little bit about the out-of-district students, accepting them in those categories? Sure. I think it would, uh, if I could pass this out. Um, Ms. Treblefield, if you can come get this and pass this out, please. Thank you. What you have, this is our priorities as we uh, set these students in priorities for them to be picked, to be chosen. Priority one, two, three, and four. Uh, this is given to us by the, by the state through the DOE guidelines for school choice. We cannot, we cannot um, take, for example, priority fives, which are uh, children of school employees, until we take any student that is in priority one, two, three, or four. For example, if you look at uh, priority number four, which is out-of-district siblings, we have to take those students first. Um, and this will come into play especially at the Southern Delaware School of the Arts Building. Uh, for example, our last count uh, for the kindergarten class was 107 students that have applied for 44 seats. So uh, as you can imagine, right now by looking at that um, priority list from the School of the Arts, we will be taking uh, they will start with priority number three, which are in-district siblings. Right now, we do not have any students, any out-of-district students, siblings, I should say, out-of-district siblings in, for the School of the Arts at this point. Now, when we get to category five, children of school employees, right now I'm showing two students come from out-of-district. One is from Laurel and one is from the Seaford area. And then we'll go to priority number six. These are students. Um, 
let me uh, make a correction on that. We will not have priority six for the School of the Arts. We will then go to priority number seven. These are students who are living in our area and um, I should say outside the attendance area and have daycare providers. We will probably have to do a lottery on category seven. At this point, categories eight through 14, we will not even get to with the, with the School of the Arts because we will have so, those 44 seats taken. Mr. Lewis, when we talk about capacity in our buildings, do we have um, percentages in each building of our capacity that, that are cons consistent throughout the district? Well, we do. Uh, Mr. Steele had to do a um, capacity report, building capacity report, and that has to be sent to DOE at the end of um, November of every school year. And we are showing some, uh, some schools are over capacity right now and some schools, okay. elementary buildings are so under So if capacity. a building is over capacity during the school year, do you still bring students to us to approve within those buildings? Depending on the grade level. It has to be capacity at those grade levels as well. For example, if you have, um, say, ninth grade and um, you have room for those particular students, we can, we can bring those students to the, to the board for approval. So what would the percentage be? It could be 85%. That's what the state tells us, that 85%. Is it 85%? No. What is no, it? it? I don't know the exact percentage. I would have to sit down and, and figure out what each building has, each grade level would have before they're brought. Now, Dr. Statler, the way this is brought to the, to the board, this information is sent to the building principals okay. for their approval. Okay. Um, uh, they can approve on or, or disapprove capacity. They can reject. They can reject due to discipline and also to attendance are the three reasons that they can reject a student. Is Philip Shaw at capacity? I, I don't know that right now. Mr. Steele? If I remember correctly, it was under capacity at our last meeting. I don't have that report in front of me. Yeah, I, I believe it is under capacity slightly. Right. So with that being said, at the last meeting, you talked about a student, several students, if I recall, on the list that we denied due to capacity. Right. But during the course of the conversation in public session, it was revealed that there were other reasons besides capacity. So if, that, if I'm hearing Mr. Steele say that that building was under capacity. I believe. I'm, 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 I'm pretty sure that it's just under the cutoff point. I'm pretty sure of that. Okay. But I don't have that figure in front of me, Dr. Statler. I don't know for sure. But I know it's close. Do you think we should achieve some sort of consistency with the percentages of capacity? And we talked about that, and we did talk about that um, at the last meeting. Um, for example, if that's how we want to reject or approve these students, I think we need to have a particular number if we want to stay with 85 percent. But you have to understand from this new report that we just have, I think those numbers are going to change. I don't think it's going to be a capacity. I don't think we have a certain number. That was a concern that yes. the superintendents had. Yes, is they have taken the eighty-five. We saw there was no number. It just said until they reach capacity with no, but like eighty-five percent, like the current law. The current law says that was a concern the superintendents all had. Was that eighty-eight? Is it eighty-five? Is it ninety? What is it? So, so when do you anticipate that change occurring? I'm anticipating prior to June thirtieth, because the person that's doing that is the legislature, and they're trying to change the law. Okay. So they asked for our input 
And Thursday, I'll be talking to Matt Burroughs, the um, super at APO, mm -hmm. and he'll be calling around to have, I have Pep and Jay looking at this now, uh, to go through it to see if there are any changes uh, to things that we, you know, we, we think is a positive change or not positive change, and then I have to, I'll have to pass that back through our superintendent group. Okay. The only thing that I just want to stress is that the out-of-district students are, um, let me rephrase that, our in-district students are my number one priority. So when we have buildings that are truly over capacity, we are dying for space at this point. Um, I want to make sure that we can serve the students in our district first before we're taking any of the out-of-district students and also the cost that goes along with that. I know that Ms. Steele talked about how that process works, but there are still unseen costs that those out-of-district students bring to us. So this may be a conversation that we would have as we get closer to June. Is that We sure okay. would. I should have a definite answer before okay. our June board meeting. Okay. Thank you. Quick question. When a student at Sussex Tech senior decides to leave Sussex Tech in their senior year and come back to Central, do they have to apply through school choice to do it? To come back? Yeah. Not if they're living in, for example, Sussex Central attendance territory. They do not. Hmm. Mr. Fritz, that's a good question, and I'm glad you brought that up because one of the things that were, was in this new law um, that they discussed was possibly prorating when students return. It may be a nightmare uh, with our business manager's office but they may look at prorating the money that that kid brings. So if a kid, for example, were to, were to go to Tech and come back after September 30th, then you prorating that for the fiscal year, so much of that money would come to Indian River, so much would stay at Tech, depending on how long the kid was there. Any questions? <clears throat> Thank you. So, uh, Mr. Barlick, President Barlick, so we proceed. <clears throat> with our regular school choice procedures at this point? At this point, yeah, I'm not gonna make a recommendation to change. Okay, thank you. Next item on the agenda is the reading slash math curriculum. Um, yeah, Mr. Barley, I, I did check with uh, Mrs. Steele on that um, contract. We have one payment left, I believe. Uh, this is our fourth payment. And I believe that's about $468,729, and that will be due in October. And that will be the total cost of the benchmark ELA curriculum that we currently have. What happened? Oh, I'm sorry, it is July. I was thinking, sorry. That includes the, the, the two payments, the one that we're getting ready to make and the one that we've already made has included in that the consumables? Yes, we had a five, I believe it's, it, I have a $500,000 payment that was back around July 31st of um, 16, um, December uh, 16, 500,000, and then the final payment July 15th is the 468, and that curriculum will be paid for at that particular point in time. And we were able to take 170,000 of Title I money to pay for the um, the extra materials that aren't the main curriculum. Um, so we were able to offset that, that contract slightly from what we expected originally with Title I for the parts that were allowed to be paid through Title I. 
what happens if we have an increased in enrollment, say, of 250 new students in the elementary? We're negotiating our numbers for next year right now. I do not believe we've had enough increase that they're going to charge us any additional costs for the pieces that we need additionally for the additional students that we have. But um, I do not have a firm answer yet. The technical answer by contract is that anything above and beyond what the contract is written for, we have to pay additional for. So we have to come up with additional money to do that? We do. However, the word I got from them on the phone last week is that with the slight increase that we've had, they're not going to charge us for the additional pieces that we need. Anyone else have any questions? Need a motion to uh, table 206 and 207 to our second. Is there a motion? I made it. Second. This motion made and second. Any discussion? All in favor of the motion say aye. 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 Any opposed? That is unanimous. Need a motion for executive session? Motion for executive session. Is there a second? Second. Motion made and second. Any discussion? All in favor of the motion say aye. 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 Opposed? That is unanimous. We're now in executive session. Next item, the uh, pers personnel agenda. Make a motion, to ask for a motion to approve excluding item number two. So moved. Is there a second? Second. Say the motion again, Charlie. Um, ask for a motion to approve the personnel agenda excluding number two. <coughs> excluding number two. Excluding number two. Is there a second? Second. Motion made and seconded. Any discussion? All in favor of the motion say aye. 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 Opposed? That is unanimous. Need a motion for number two. So moved. Second. Is there a second? Motion made and seconded. Any discussion? All in favor of the motion say aye. Aye. Opposed? Aye. Abstain. Can we poll? Mr. Barley? No. Mr. Collins? Mr. Fritz? No. Dr. Hadio? Yes. Mr. Douglas Hudson? No. Mr. James Hudson? Yes. Mr. Layfield? Abstention. Mr. Peden? No. Dr. Statler? No. Mrs. Wright? Abstain. Yes. Five no and two abstentions. The motion fails for lack of a majority vote. Is there any other recommendations? Vote number two. Okay. So to, if there isn't any, then we'll move on. We didn't assign a number to any employees. Okay. All right. We'll move on. On the, on the addendum, bear, bear with me. Asking for approval of the addendum, excluding item two, nine, 10, 12, 16, 18, 19, and 27 through 68. Those are the exclusions. So then, if we, ex if we exclude um, through 68, then 69 through 195 will be voted on. So, so make a motion that we 
move forward with that. Okay. Is there a second? Uh, Mr. Can you pull 124? I'm oh, sorry. I just, okay. just pull 124 for me on that list. If you could add that. That would need to be separated. You need to revote. Okay. I need to separate number 20, too. Number what? Number 20. Do separately. We're going to do those separately. Yeah, that yeah I got to yeah. stay here. You said what? Uh, 124. 124. And number 20. Right. Okay. That also would exclude item number 20 and number 124. So moved. Okay. Second. Motion made and seconded. Any further discussion? All in favor of the motion say aye. Aye. Opposed? That's, that is unanimous. We need a motion to uh, hire or vote for uh, number four. Number four. Didn't somebody ask for that to be excluded? You know, no. Charlie, you know what? It was one. Yeah, it yeah, was one. No, no. Jim had brought up a good point, and you take four should have been taken back out, should have just. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Okay, the original motion means that four would be out too. Okay, we need a motion for number 20. So moved. Second. second. Motion made and seconded. Any discussion? All in favor of the motion say aye. 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 Opposed? Stay. Please follow the board. Mr. Yes. Mr. Yes. Yes. Stay. Yes. Mr. Yes. Mr. Yes. Mr. Yes. 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 All in favor of the motion say aye. Aye. Opposed? Abstention. Please poll. Yes. Mr. Yes. Dr. Yes. Mr. James Yes. Yes. Mr. Layfield. Abstention. Mr. Peden? Yes. Dr. Yes. Mrs. Wright? Yes. Eight zero one. Okay, motion passes by majority vote. That's all there is in it. No. We're going to vote on the concept. We're voting on this concept. Oh, the concept, yeah. I'd like to make a motion that we approve the concept of the pairs that was presented in the um, executive session for overhires and for priority schools with realignment. Second. So your motion is on the ones with the 22 number? With both 16 and 22, yes. Okay. And Charlie, it's a concept. Yes. Everyone understands this concept? Yes. Okay. And uh -huh. motions are made and seconded already. Yes, sir. Yes. yes. Okay. I think the motion has been made and seconded. Yeah, made, made and seconded. That's it. All in favor, say aye. 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 Opposed? Good as you don't notice. Okay. 
any further business come before the board, meeting is adjourned.